What's up, Penguins fans? Happy Monday, November 21st. Penguins on a three-game winning streak and have also won five out of their last seven. They're one point out of a wildcard spot and two points out of second place. But today's episode, it's going to at least start with a big ode to Evgeny Malkin in his 1,000th game. We're going to get into everything about that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. A lot of it from Gino's perspective, seeing how Stin was amazing moment with his son, reading the pregame lineup, Gino scoring in that game, how he has 71, um, you know, how he has at least a point and 71% of those 1000 games. That's just so poetic. And we're going to get into at least my favorite moments of the Evgeny Malkin era, just, you know, why he means so much you know, to me as someone who grew up with him, as a kid and why I think he means so much to you all as well. After that, we're going to get into the win against the Winnipeg Jets and why the Penguins played lockdown defense. And of course, we'll get into um, the overall win against Chicago and, and how the Penguins were able to get their first win in Chicago in 13 years. And we'll look ahead to this week's actions. The Penguins try to continue this little hot streak. So that's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Elmersville Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Penguins 5, Blackhawks 3, but of course the main story of the night. Kenny Malkin's 1,000th game, um, a moment that you know we've been all been waiting for for a long time. Probably should have happened a lot sooner if it weren't for some of his injuries. But a moment that I'm really glad I was able to watch live. And I think a lot of you all were, you're, you're all were glad to able to watch live as well. Uh, you know, from the, from the pregame warmups with everyone doing his routine, you know, they kind of did the same with, with Sid for his 1000th game last year. And of course, Malkin's going to get honored on Wednesday when the Penguins play the Calgary Flames on, on the, obviously the day before Thanksgiving, but seeing them do that, you know, Gino was loving it. He was just smiling the entire time. And then, you know, right before they're going onto the ice, after warm-ups, Nikita Malkin's seven-year-old son at this point. I mean, I remember, hell, man, I was, 2015, I was I, pretty sure I was a senior in high school when that kid was born. He's all of a sudden seven years old now. I'm 25. Just feels really weird. Time has just flown by with that. And he's reading the lineup, and he looks so poised doing it. You know, it says Pedersen's name, Latang's name, Jason Zucker, um, Brian Russ, and then obviously said his dad and Gino's there just crying his eyes out. I mean, he, he was just a really special moment for him that he, uh, that his son and his wife, Anna were able to fly out <clears throat> for the game. And then, you know, obviously he scores in the game. He gets the second goal uh, to make it two nothing for a brief period of time. And Ryan Paling really nice pass to get to Malkin and his celebration was just, was just a pure joy. I mean, you, you all had to know that Malkin was going to score in this game, right? I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's poetic and Malkin, you know, one of the five best players in this franchise's history, probably a top 50 player in NHL history. And the best part about what I, what I love about how, how Gino is playing this year is he's shutting up a lot of his critics from this past offseason. Um, this moment, it wasn't for those people that wanted to run him out of town, that wanted to put Vince Trocek in or Andrew Kopp over him. No, 
It's for the people that have stayed loyal to him over these last 16 to 17 years and who have just loved watching him bring so much joy to their lives ever since he came into the league, you know, back in 2005 and back in 2006 um, and all that stuff. Apologies, obviously it wasn't, you know, since rookie years right after that, but still um, just an incredible, you know, night for him. And, you know, he's had so many great moments for this franchise over the years. You know, my, my favorite Malkin goal, I think if I had to pick one, <clears throat> uh, game two, Carolina 2009, when uh, Joe Bettinati, you know, has uh, Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin, spectacular for the hat trick, comes around the net, has Seidenberg on his back, no look backhand, roofs it past Cam Ward. I mean, that was beast mode Gino to a T. He willed that team to a victory in that series. He was probably, I don't know, I shouldn't even say probably, he was the best player on the ice that series. And honestly, that entire run, he played like the best player in hockey. He was one of, if not the main reason why the Penguins won the Stanley Cup that year. He was on another planet. <clears throat> My second favorite Malkin goal, if I had to pick one throughout his first 1,000 games, and hopefully there's many, many more to come, is um, when Malkin was cherry-picking against the Flyers back in 2008. He just got walloped from behind the net by Mike Richards. And same, same thing, Joe Benati. Malkin, basket hanging, in solo, winds and scores. Evgeny Malkin says, take that. And I have that call just itched in my memory ever since you know the last 14 years. And it was the perfect just... <clears throat> It was just the perfect way to symbolize who Gino was because he got hit pretty hard, looked like he was hurt, was obviously pissed off about it. Cherry picks at the blue line, gets the puck, and says, I'm going to score, and there's nothing you can freaking do about it, and I'm going to line up a slap shot. And he sure did on both those. And in the celebration he had was just a you know, pure relief. I, I was honestly surprised he didn't give Marty Baron or Mike Richards the double bird. After that, just and because and the, the, the camera it panned to Richards as he was on one knee, being like, "What more do I need to do to get him off his game?" And Malkin was just like, "You know, nothing. You know, you, you know, you piss me off, and this is what I'm gonna do." Those are, I think, my two favorite Malkin goals throughout his career. Another one that comes to mind, you know, he goes one on five against the Lightning. I believe that was 2011. Um, just he just he's galloping up the ice, does a between the legs dangle, goes uh backhand, forehand, stick side, just a beautiful goal. I believe that's, that, that goal made it 5-1 to one Penguins over the Lightning. Uh, another goal that obviously comes to mind, he roofed it um, against the Edmonton Oilers about seven years ago. Uh, picks, I believe it was Clefbaum's pocket, <clears throat> and comes into the zone, backs up, skates backwards, and then just fires a no-look no, no backhand, barred down past the Oilers goaltender. Just a vintage Malkin goal. Um, and then the fifth one, I think he scored this against the Avalanche, a very similar one to the, the Lightning one, just, you know, is in the offensive zone, knifes through two to three guys, goes backhand, forehand, and he, he gets tripped on the play. No penalty was called, still scored it, and <clears throat> he had an, an amazing celebration. So, I mean, those are probably my five favorite Malkin goals. I could probably talk about so many other goals for two hours if I could on this podcast. You know, he, this, this guy came back on one knee in the 2021 playoffs, six points in four games, came back from really um, bad elbow surgery in 2015-16, had to miss game one of that series against the Rangers, comes back, plays the full 
uh, playoff run and was one of their best players. Same thing for 2016-17 was just an, on an absolute mission. That run could have easily won the con Smythe. I know they gave it to Sid, but they could have given it to Gino. Um, but, you know, when he's <clears throat> excuse me, when I, I will say this, when he is on top of his game, when he was in his peak, no, no one was better than him. And that's someone who has, you know, said Cindy Crosby has been the best player in the world for most years, most years of his career. But when Malkin was on his game and you couldn't get the puck off him, no one could touch him. I know sometimes that wasn't the case. You know, he was maybe a top five, top 10 player in the world, but in his peak, in those prime years, when he was on his game, especially that season when Sid was out and he did it all by himself, he was the best player in hockey. And he has shown that time and time again throughout his Penguins tenure. And, you know, he's given this franchise everything. Heck, you all remember, it was a hassle for him to even get over here from Russia. <clears throat> and there, was, there was a time where it looked like he maybe was not even going to come over here just because of that whole situation. But, you know, he was able to, and the Penguins have been better off for it ever since excuse me sorry about that i had to <clears throat> mute my mic for the cough but just i mean I, i've run out of honestly I, i've honestly run out of words to just describe the feeling malkin at this point and yeah i know some people will say well, well you know this just seems, this just means the end is coming and and sure you know it is but you know we're also taking the time to celebrate what a great career he's had. And we did the same for Sidney Crosby last season. We're going to do the same thing for Crystal Tang later this season because he's only about 40 games away from his 1,000th game. But he's given this franchise and this and you fans everything. Um, Three Stanley Cups, Hart Trophy, a Calder Trophy, an Art Ross Trophy, <clears throat> so many other awards that he's won. He's done it all. And he'd obviously want to be the only Russian to win a fourth Stanley Cup. And he's working towards that goal. But right now, it's hard to argue that, you know, he hasn't given everything to this franchise. And so, Gino, congratulations on 1,000 games. You've played your tail off all season. You played great last night. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, as someone who has watched your career ever since I was a little kid in elementary school, you know, here's to hopefully 1,000 more games. Man, I really, I really appreciate, you know, just watching you do your thing on a nightly basis. And I think the fans that listen to this show, you know, they, they also appreciate it as well. So just a great ceremony. I'm sure Wednesday night is going to be awesome. He's going to be up in the rafters at PPG paints arena one day. And I will surely be at that game for that. Uh, to say the least. So again, congratulations, you know, 1000 games that night was yours. And you know, it was great that you scored and it was all, also great that the penguins got the win. So that wraps up this first segment uh, for the show. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into the Chicago game as a whole and how the Penguins were able to withstand a barrage there at the end from the Blackhawks. But before we get to that, did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. You can order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. They were named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report. That is a third year in a row. 
In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. It's whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. You also have HG security cameras for inside and outside your home. And you have smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Do not miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend. You can get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There is no safe like Simply Safe. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let's get into that game overall outside of, the, of Gino's 1,000th game and his goal. A 5-3 to three win for your Pittsburgh Penguins. Three wins in a row. Again, they've won five of their last seven. I will just say this. I think the demise of this team was a little bit exaggerated by some people. Um... They've clawed their way back into the thick of things. Yes, they're out of a playoff spot right now, but obviously there's still work to be done, but they've righted the ship. They've gotten 11 out of a possible 14 points. In their last seven games, they're also two points out of second place. Everything is mostly okay right now. You still want them to keep winning games and get back into playoff spot, but they've saved their season, at least for now. This was badly needed. And they got their first win in Chicago in 13 years. Um, they were up 3 nothing. Squandered that three nothing lead. They've been having trouble with leads all season for some reason. It's never a good look when you blow a three goal lead to one of the worst teams in the league, a team that's legitimately tanking for Connor Bedard. Uh, the, the Blackhawks are, are utterly atrocious. Um, but the Penguins are able to get it back. Sidney Crosby was like, you know what? I'm not going to lose on you know the night that we're honoring my best friend. I'm going to will this team to victory, and he did exactly that by notching his tenth goal this season to make it four three. With three minutes left, Jeff Carter was able to add on <clears throat> the empty net goal. I thought this game, the Penguins, they were playing fine for a majority of it before I think the Blackhawks kind of started to pull away a little later on. And, and yeah, it, were the Penguins a little bit gassed? Sure. And again, another situation with three games and four nights. They're going to have to deal with that again later this week when they play Calgary on Wednesday, Philly Friday, and then Saturday. They'll host Toronto before, you know, that's actually the start of a five-game homestand, which is really exciting. But, you know, they've been having a lot of these three games and four nights, even against a bad team like Chicago. It's hard to, you know, have those full 60s, but still, Penguins are able to get the win, and that's all that matters. When you look at natural shot trick, it was about 50-50 in terms of shot attempts. The Penguins did lead in scoring chances, 54.5% at 5v5. High danger, they led 73% of those. And then expected goals, they did have 53% of those, but still, I thought the third period, they kind of got outplayed a little bit, even if the numbers don't say that, um, they're just, I thought there was too much time in the defensive zone. And that obviously led to the Blackhawks tying the game with only a few minutes left. Just a really bad goal. I thought from Casey to Smith to allow, but this team also did a lot, right? You know, they get the first goal just a minute into <clears throat> the game. Brock McGinn, just a, another <laughs> goal. I mean, he's had goals in five of his last seven games. Obviously, goals in almost three straight now. Um, he's playing excellent hockey. Andrew, I know you listen on the YouTube page. You were um, pumping up Brock's tires when I was letting when I was kicking him down just because he wasn't playing that well. But you said, you know what, it's going to turn around, and he did. And it, you know, he's turned it around in a big way. So I, again, I will gladly eat crow on this. I have no problem on with doing that. He's playing like 
the Brock McGinn we saw in the first half of last regular season. And sure, could Ron Hextall look to trade him uh, for a premium return? He could, but again, I don't really think he's going to at this point. You know, just keep him on the third line right now. He, he's playing really good hockey. His shot is on another level right now. He's also shooting 20%. Is that going to be sustainable? No, <laughs> but you know, you ride that until that falls off. But you know, this is some of McGinn's best hockey that I've seen him play. And he's giving this team some quality depth scoring that they weren't having um, a lot during that seven game losing streak. But since then, um, you know, he's been one of the team's best players and is, you know, top five, top six in the team in roles right now. And again, has goals in three straight games. So really nice job from McGinn um, overall. And, you know, Ricard Raquel, he gets another goal. I think he's been one of their best players all season. I was someone, I was fine with the first half of the extension. I wasn't happy with the AAV that he got. Again, I'm eating crow on the Raquel deal. He's been one of their best players so far. I thought he would be good after coming over. I didn't think he'd be this good where he'd be playing top pairing, top line minutes every night and being a better option than Brian Rust. Um, I still would have him on the top power play over Rust at this point, but you know, he's making those minutes count and he's playing very well <clears throat> to say the least. <clears throat> Sid, what more needs to be said about Sidney Crosby? You know, he's, he's been phenomenal. Now I, and I knew that he was going to turn it around I, I, even after I criticized him a little bit, because I, I did say, you know, not playing his ba- good brand of hockey right now. It, it, and, and, but it's Sid, you know, he, this is what great players do. They're off for a few games, but then they come back and they play great for the rest of their season. Last three games, 10 points. He's top 10 in scoring right now, leads the team in scoring by a wide margin. This is what an all-time great player does. When your team needs a goal, especially in that situation last night, directly after the Blackhawks tied it, it looks like it's going to overtime. Who else is going to step up but Sid? He was a man on a mission these last three games, and he has you know, just done his thing. And you know, I'm obviously feeling really grateful that he is on the Penguins, and I think you all that listen to the show, you all are feeling really grateful as well. So another great game from a great game, excuse me, from Sid, and I'm sure he's going to continue this throughout the rest of the regular season. Carter was able to get the empty netter. I thought outside of that, didn't really play that well, but you know, if he's not making bad plays, um, I think he's fine at this point. Also, I will say this, Ryan Paling, another really strong game. I think that's three to four good games in a row from him at this point. He's starting to intrigue me um, a, a little bit. I think he's someone that, you know, if he's on his game like you've seen in these last three to four games, he can provide a scoring boost to this team. Had that great pass to Malkin uh, for the Penguins' second goal, which is a really nice job forechecking there as well. So I've been impressed with him these last few games. It looks like they could have a player in him, but, you know, I still want to see more consistency from him. Overall, Teddy Bluger, he continues to be great. Um, the penalty kill continues to be very stellar. It's in the top half of the league now. You know that was one of the biggest keys to getting this thing turned around. Yins it was at the bottom of the league. You cannot have both special teams units at the bottom of the league and think you can win in this league. You have to have at least one of those units uh, playing well. And right now, it's the penalty kill. There's time to get the power play back. Maybe I'll talk about that a little later on in this episode. But right now, penalty kill it's killing off basically. Every power play with ease. They're back to being aggressive. They're not sitting, playing back, playing passive and all that. I know they do that the, the little diamond thing, but you know, right now it, it's actually looking like the unit we saw last season where even when Tristan Jari was not bailing them out, you know, they, they were still killing penalties off with ease. So I, I've been really impressed with that unit these last two and a half weeks. It was starting to turn around a, li- a little bit towards the end of that 
that losing streak, it's really turned around um, these last seven games. The, the Blackhawks power play didn't do a thing last night. Neither did the Winnipeg power play um, on Saturday. And then the, the, the game in Minnesota, nothing happened there either. So, you know, just a, a lot to like about that performance. I thought Casey DeSmith was good. Outside that third goal, that one can't go in. I think he's playing too deep in his net there. But, you know, overall, a really sound win for the Penguins. Was it pretty? No. But, you know, not all wins are going to be pretty. Sometimes you're kind of going to get you're kind of going to get a bit lucky to win. I think Soderblom made some good saves in the third period, but he also let up a couple of howlers. You take that. He only he doesn't even have 10 games of NHL experience. The Penguins they use that to their advantage and they're able to get the win. You have to beat the bad teams even if it's on a back-to-back. The Penguins were able to do that and they're better off for it. They swept the weekends back-to-back. That's the first time they've done that all year. And now things are looking up again and I think the fan base is starting to not freak out as much anymore. So, fine performance. Was it their best? No. But again, you bank the two points. They've won their last three. They're two points out of second in the Metro. I think there's there's not much else you can ask for right now. So, good win. Um, that's really all I have to say about the Chicago game. Uh, coming up in the next segment, um, we'll, we'll talk about the Winnipeg game uh, a little bit because I was really impressed by the Penguins and that game, like, a lot, because that, that that is a good Winnipeg team that they beat. Now, before I get to that, though, BenLine.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BenOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That has been online where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. All the shows, Twitter, LNRS or Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. And yes, for those that you know are not on Twitter, um, I do have big news. I'm officially moving to Pittsburgh next week. Uh, my girlfriend and I will be going up. We'll be moving in next Thursday, Friday. We got a place about 15, 20 minutes outside the city, and there could be some potential you know, things podcast-related that could be coming a little later on. I'm not going to get into them, but I'm, I'm hopeful, to say the least. But I'm fired up. Uh, I, I can't wait to move to the city. I, I can't wait to hopefully go to some practices and you know just <laughs> check out what they're practicing, especially on the power play, just because the power play has just been so bad this year. And I hopefully can't wait to go to a lot more games in this year, too. So I wanted to start off this segment by – Touching on that, and you know, hopefully I can meet more of you at games and such. I think I kind of feel isolated down here doing the podcast in uh, northern D.Y., central Virginia. But um, as for the game against Winnipeg, I thought the Penguins played a very sound game against the Jets. Did not really give them anything. Um, oh, if I can find that game here. I went to the wrong thing on natural stat trick. Whoopsies. I didn't really think the Penguins gave the Jets anything throughout those 60 minutes. Tristan Jari had to make some good saves, but I didn't think he had to like flat out rob any Jets players. Kyle Connor had some good chances, but but you know, he's Kyle Connor. He's going to get those chances. Jari turned them aside. Dubois had a couple good chances. Shifley, Blake Wheeler, but you know, in the end, Jari was able to outduel Hellebuck and the Penguins were able to get that three, nothing shutout win. It was looking a bit dicey at times in the third period. I, I do think the Penguins were defending well, until Connor Hellebuck just gave the Penguins a goal for free. He was having one heck of a game, too. I mean, it's I said this on my preview episode. He's a top three goaltender in the league, and you all saw that in the Saturday game, <clears throat> just making some dazzling saves when the Penguins were carrying play. 
honestly, for the last three to four years, he has been the main reason why the Jets are in so many games and why they're in the playoff hunt every year. He is a difference maker at that position. And to me, only Igor Shosturkin and Andre Vasilevsky are better than him. You can maybe make the argument that UC Soros is better. Personally, I don't think he is. I think Hellebuck is kind of in that 1A, 1B, 1C range as the, one of the best goaltenders in hockey. You know, he was making some ridiculous saves. But Indiana Penguins were able to get the win and skate away with it. You know, overall, Penguins, they controlled the shot attempt share 54.5% at um, even strength. Uh, scoring chances about 50-50. High danger chances were 50-50. That said, the Penguins did lead in expected goals at 59.4%. And the game winner... Um, did go to Jason Zucker early on in the third period. What a rip of a slap shot with a give and go from Evgeny Malkin and Zucker continues to have his torrid pace going this season. He has been ridiculous. And I'll keep saying it. This is the version of Zucker that the Penguins thought they were getting when they traded for him. And he's at a point per game pace. Now he works extremely well with Malkin and I think by the end of the season, if he stays healthy, he's going to score 20 to 25 this year. But what a rocket that was. Hellebuck, no chance at all on that shot. And then the Penguins were able to make it 2-0 late in the third period when, for some reason, Hellebuck decided to give the puck to Sidney Crosby. Don't know why. I guess he just panicked because he thought he was going to have a penalty. Brian Russ is able to bury his first goal in what felt like an eternity to make it 2-0. And then the empty net master, Jake Gensel, scores to make it 3-0. Um, overall, Penguins defended very well. In that game, Tristan Jari had an ex an excellent game. I think that was the, his best start in about two to three weeks. And if he can continue to build off that, you know, and that, that makes the Penguins that much more dangerous this season. I'm hoping that he does. But you know, it's it's one start, sure, but again, it's it's definitely one that you know he could build off of, uh, to say the least. Um, I don't really have much more um, on that game against Winnipeg. PK was good. Power play continues to be. Meh. I mean. And there really hasn't been that many negatives to talk about with the team lately. The power play, though, man, it stinks. Just nothing doing at all. I would love to see them make that change with Ross for Raquel. Zone entries continue to be bad. The overpassing continues to be annoying. It's, whenever they get a shot on net, it's just one and done. The puck goes back the other way. They're just not getting any sustained zone time on it. And it's just, it's very frustrating to watch. Um, Chris Letang, he still needs to get his crap together. Um, I'll say it, he's been bad. And Josh Yoey put out a very disturbing tweet. And you know, I am also someone who does not like plus minus. I think it's a very useless stat. But when you're minus 10 overall and we're 20 games in the season, that's not good. And when you've had ample time away from Brian Dumoulin, who we all thought was the main problem on that pairing, and you're my and you're still a, a bad minus player, that's not good. You know, it, it seems to me right now that even with Pedersen up there, really not making a difference. I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, but he needs to find his game again if this team is going to make any noise this season. He is too important to this team to keep playing like absolute dog water. So the sooner he finds his game again, the better off this team will be. Again, keep saying until I'm red in the face, I do think he is going to find his game again. I just think, you know, for some reason right now, he's just not at the top um, of his game. And, you know, he's playing like crap at both ends of the ring. You know, that, that's just my opinion on that. Otherwise, I think everyone on the team right now, for the most part, is really humming. <clears throat> to end the show, I will say, I did listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast from Elliot Friedman, and he did say that Ron Hextall is potentially working the phones to make a trade. If I had to guess, he's probably trying to dump Kapanen's 3.2 million cap, but you don't want to keep scratching a guy that's making 3.2 million. I mean, you're just wasting cap space that, like that. I, I think he probably knows 
deep down he made a mistake with that deal? I, I've got to think so. It's just when Mike Sullivan has basically lost him. I mean, when, sorry, I'll repeat myself. When he's basically lost Mike Sullivan, who's really gone to bat for him over these last couple of seasons, and he really hasn't been getting in the lineup lately, and I don't really know what else there is to do for him. I mean, are you going to waive him? And, you know, if someone doesn't claim him, then you're sending him down to Wilkesbury, and that's $3.2 million of basically dead cap. So I got to think he's working on a trade for him. If not him, then maybe they're looking for another forward to come in to really balance out the lineup. But, you know, it's good news that he's still looking into a trade even when the team is playing well. He's not just looking for a panic move or anything like that. But that will do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Wanted to end the show with that. Coming up later this week, so for Tuesday's episode, we're going to preview that game against the Calgary Flames. Going to maybe try to see if we can get Jess Belmosto or Nick Sararas on because he's one of the new correspondents for Locked on Flames. Wednesday, we're going, to, uh, we're going to recap the game against the Flames. Thursday, there might be an episode for Thanksgiving. Haven't decided yet if there is. We're going to preview the Friday game against the Flyers. And then for the Flyer game on Friday, that will be a recap episode of that. And then we'll also preview the Saturday game against the Maple Leafs. So again, that'll do it for this one. Hope you all enjoyed listening to it. I'll be back with you all on Tuesday.